Welcome to the Medical Menemist Podcast, your source for memory techniques and accelerated learning in higher education. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Carl Kopp is a professor at Bloomsburg University and has written several books on gamification and game thinking. So today we're going to continue on with some past discussions regarding gaming in medical education and learn how to use creative and interactive learning modalities to benefit our educational environment. Carl, nice to have you on today. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So you've written several books on this topic. You've given many presentations on gamification and education. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what gamification really means to you? Sure. So I started thinking about games and gamification for learning. I'm a professor of instructional technology at Bloomsburg University. And it's kind of funny because we were just creating online learning and some of the students and even some of the people that we consulted with were like, this is okay, but it's not really that engaging or exciting. But then I would go home and I'd be up till like three o'clock in the morning playing on my PlayStation. And all of a sudden it hit me, well, I'm learning as I play on my PlayStation. I'm learning where my character needs to go. I'm learning how to get to the next level. Like, why can't we do this with our online instruction? So I went back to university. I'm like all excited. And I said, we need to do this. We need to like use game elements. And they're like, no, no, we're not teaching people how to build games. We're not doing whole games. I'm like, no, no. And I struggled to find the word to say, no, let's just use pieces of games, not entire games. And then one day I came across the term gamification. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm talking about, using pieces and parts of games to motivate learners and to help them get excited about learning and development. And the interesting thing to me as I started researching it, it was so funny, instructional designers were trying to figure out how to get learners engaged and like how to get them excited. And game designers have been doing it for years and not even worrying about like the learning aspect and stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've got to steal from those folks. So uh, that really got me started. So my kids playing in the basement, still remember one morning, my wife comes down and she goes, it's three o'clock in the morning, you need to go to bed. I'm like, ah, okay. So (laughs) that kind of got me started in thinking about how can we use this for learning and development? Gotcha. I actually think that I was in high school and I took my first programming class and I really wanted to get into games. And I guess this is sort of living my dream through (laughs) interviewing (laughs) guests because it's something that it went away for a while there when I had to focus on other aspects of life. And I now am revisiting some of the old interests in gamification and how it can relate to learning especially and see that they're really not that different. Maybe if I would have continued on that path and a little bit with my current path, this could have been something (laughs) that would have met much sooner. But yes. So as far as the gamification that you guys implement, or or how do you even begin to approach that from? Yes. So, so I think of gamification, two types of gamification. So one is what I call structural gamification. And that's where you add points, badges, leaderboards to content, but you don't change the content at all. So you do a quiz and you get points for a right quiz question or you watch a video and you get points for watching the video. Then the other type of gamification I call content gamification where you change the content itself to be more game-alike. 
to me, that's a little bit more interesting. That has things like story and narrative, freedom to fail, feedback loops, all those kind of elements that I think are really fascinating. So when we think about designing for learning using game elements, we think about those two realms of it. And in some cases, for example, if you're quizzing yourself to for memorization to give back to a quiz or something like that or a test or uh, you want to do well on an exam, structural gamification works really well because it gives you that motivation. And yeah, oh, I got four in a row. That's awesome. But if you're looking for deeper learning and deeper understanding, then content gamification works well where you're actually thinking about how can this content be more like a game than it is? So maybe starting out with a challenge. I always, I always say, people always talk about learning objectives. I uh, sometimes call them learning objections because when you first put something up on the screen, today you're going to learn three things about this. Most people are like, whatever. But if you say the challenge is to figure out which one of these causes this disease or something like that. Now you're a little bit more engaged because now it's a question and a challenge. And as humans, we don't like unanswered questions. We want questions to be answered. So that in and of itself is a motivator. Whereas sometimes, hey, you answer these questions, you get three points, like who cares? But I want to solve this mystery or this problem or something like that. And so that's what we think about when we design them. I don't necessarily think about the tools that are involved, although those are an important aspect of it, really think about uh, gamification as a design affordance, which means basically how can I design something that will lead to motivation and engagement. There's a gentleman named Ralph Costner who wrote a book called The Theory of Fun. And he says, fun equals learning. And I really think that that, if it's done right, that is a really admirable goal to go after and something that can be done if you add some gamification. That would be a great way to encourage more learning too. I unfortunately know a lot of people that you talk about learning or you send them a resource and they're ah, no, I'll get around to it later. Just right. They never had that positive learning experience, I guess. So they're just, they don't have the motivation to continue with their education later on with learning. And I think gamification is a great way to do this. And actually a recent interview I did with Dr. Amrit Sadu, his locally known as the Bros Encephalon for a flashcard deck that he made many years ago. <laughs> they implemented sort of a gamification aspect into their residency education platform, and it allowed for different points to be earned, and everyone had an unidentified name. And then they could see their leaderboards and compete with each other without necessarily knowing who was in what place. And they mm-hmm. seem to be uh, developing some pretty good results from that material so far. So <laughs> hopefully we can continue to use this and, and discuss possible ways to implement this into medical education before residency. Yeah, games do so much. They give you a sense of accomplishment. They give you a sense of progress. They also, if you think about it, if you're studying for an exam in medical school or whatever, you don't know if you know the knowledge until you get the exam back. You think you're confident. But in gamification, uh, a lot of times you're getting um, feedback on what you know right away. So you're getting that confidence that you know it, and confidence builds competence. So as you're gaining that confidence of, hey, look where I am on a leaderboard. Hey, I moved up. Hey, I answered these questions. Hey, I got this right. And that moves you up. And it was funny. It was at uh, Johns Hopkins Simulation Center years ago. 
and they were doing, um, they didn't call it gamification, but they were basically running codes and they were scoring you against the national standard of how long it should take you to react, how long it should take you to notice that something's wrong, how long to enter, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a great example of using gamified techniques to help spur action and activity. And having the standard to work against was a really great way to measure your own progress. I have to wonder, especially with a couple of the past interviews involving gamification, medical education. Like I think we've had Dr. N, I don't want to bit butcher his name again, from <laughs> uh, Prognosis and Clinical Sense on about their app that's very popular. It's a free download on iOS and Android, I believe. It's clinical setting based. We've had Dr. Eric Gantworker on as well from Level X and they have four different games on uh, their, that are apps as well. I think there's like Numo X and Gastro X, all these different ones, but they're more for physicians and procedural knowledge. I had Keegan Long Wheeler on last year and we kind of talked about his experience play, which is a choose your own destination type gamification. I'm like, there's so many avenues here to go and yet we haven't really done so in, in the basic sciences in the first two years of medical school when you're learning so much information at one time and don't necessarily have the clinical experience to associate it to, why not add something that'll be intrinsically motivating and fun and entertaining to help remember all of that material better? Yeah, absolutely. And I, think, I, I also think what's really interesting, if you look at medical education and medical outcomes, a lot of it ha- already has elements of games, right? You're trying to diagnose and figure out what's wrong. You're trying to put um, things together. Like somebody says they have a cough and they also a few days ago were in this environment. Oh, that might mean they have the flu or that might mean they're allergic or something like that. So I, I think it's a really great field to do that. And one of the things that I always think is interesting is people will say to me, well, Carl, we're, our com- we're serious. We can't be playing games. We're very serious people. And I say, okay, well, guess who uses more games than any other uh, endeavor in the world? And they're like, what? Well, I said, the military. The military is probably the most serious thing you can do in terms of one human deciding to kill another human in the world, right? And they use games. And a really famous example is in the 1940s, General Nimitz said, There was no event in World War II that occurred that they hadn't wargamed already, except the kamikazes. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't account for that. They, and that's the really cool thing about humans is we're very irrational at times. And so we do things that you can never really kind of plan ahead, but you can plan ahead for a lot of stuff. And so if you're going to use it in the military, why not use it in medical education? Why not use it in places that that also is life and death, but positive life and death. So let's use it for positive human outcomes. And I think that is a really great way to introduce education. But the, the problem is for years, people have assumed that in order for you to learn, you have to be very, very serious and you have to be very um, contrite and complacent and those kind of things. But it turns out that's not really, if you think about, I tell people, if you think about times that you've learned in your life, it's probably not sterile, quiet. It was like, wow, I tried this and it didn't work. And boy, did I learn a lot. Or yeah, we tried to do this and it didn't work out, but man, did I find out a lot. And we learn a lot from our failures and we learn a lot from experimentation. Now we need to be guided because we don't want to experiment too much in in medical education, but there's enough knowledge there. And we know from people like Robert Bork, who talks about um, desirable difficulty, which means 
the easier it is for you to learn something right away, the harder it is for you to actually recall that later on. So you actually want to learn under kind of difficult conditions, but designed properly so that you can eventually recall it when you need it. And games provide that great environment. They can provide that just that level of difficulty or uncertainty or lack of knowledge that when you put it together, it really has that outcome of you being able to to recall that later on. So I, I think games are really important from an educational perspective. And I've been doing some research about the history of games, and it goes back way, 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 way back. But in the 1970s, I'm I'm reading a book about games in corporations, and one of the complaints from somebody in the book was, it seems to be a corporate credibility to have a game in the boardroom. I'm like, boy, that's changed, right? We've had ebbs and flows and in the 80s and 90s when we all went back to basics, because society actually impacts the use and acceptance of game-based learning. And uh, when we had this big back to the basic movement in education, we kind of lost the use of games. And now they're they're coming back. In fact, there's a game called Plague, Plague Inc. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's about, of course, a a pandemic. That game has seen a 3,500% increase in use since the pandemic. Wow. So why? Well, it's because people are using the game to make sense, to figure out what's going on. And it's actually based on a a pretty accurate mathematical model of how diseases move through communities and societies. And so games can not only teach us, but they can help us make sense of the world around us and figure out where we fit into the broader picture. So imagine medical education, medical ethics, all those, the whole patient concept, all of that can be helped through the use of games. And it seems like one of the big boundaries, I suppose, you already covered, and that's the, we need to be serious. We need to be focused. We don't want people screwing around when they're supposed to be learning and getting distracted, but that's not always the case. And we can definitely make material that is going to guide your focus. And like you said, make it a certain level of difficulty. It kind of pushes outside of your current level of competence and and comfort zone. And that's actually a very important part of learning from deliberate practice to many different types of uh, cognitive psychology and learning aspects is you need to push past your boundary in order to make those new, get those new steps in learning to achieve more. So I guess the, the next biggest obstacle that you commonly hear is just, well, we don't have the ability or the funding to implement these things. We don't have computer programmers on staff. How would, how would that argument kind of be mitigated? Yeah, that's great. So I, I think you've kind of already answered some of the questions. There are resources out there that folks can access for free or minimal costs to incorporate into what they're doing. Again, something like my wife study epidemiology. So her and her group playing a game like Plague or the board game Pandemic or any one of those games would be really good jumping off point for discussions and for information. So I think that there are resources out there and that there are resources available. It's just people use that as an excuse. Oh, I don't know. I don't have this much knowledge. The other thing too is that it doesn't have to be digital. You can create analog games, analog card games. I I create 
created a game called Zombie Sales Apocalypse. And it was a game where basically to teach salespeople to, you know, role play. And when you want to do role play, everybody kind of rolls their eyes and oh, I don't know. And sometimes role plays go, go off in weird directions. But the idea behind this was the, it was, wasn't a game. It wasn't a role play. It was a game. And so when you played a card that had a situation on it, other people could challenge your answer. Other people could ask you to add something new. So imagine when a medical kind of situation and you're diagnosing a patient, someone can say, well, I challenge you and here's my challenge card. So we don't have to get into really expensive, totally immersive VR and AR environments. We can go back to analog card games and leverage those. And I think one of the issues is that that a lot of people in education, there's a parallel path that they don't know that much about game-based development. I mean, there's pockets that know it, know it brilliantly, but the majority don't. And so educating them on making games and using game elements and free resources and things like that can really make a difference in terms of learning and development without really expensive uh, investments. Yeah, I've definitely seen more card games, board games come out recently kind of in the medical education sphere and, and how much they actually are following educational uh, theories. I'm not really sure. I've only played a few many years ago, not any of the recent ones. Actually, thinking about it, I came out with two board games when I was younger too. Maybe maybe it oh, was. Maybe you bring them back out. <laughs> yeah, there was always a path for this somewhere in my yeah. future. Um, I guess we really need to collaborate with medical educators, those with learning theory and those with gamification and, and game theory. And with that sort of trifecta, we can definitely come up with useful materials that'll keep students focused that are going to be effective for learning and increase the, the student's motivation and enjoyment of the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I'm working with a group at uh, Penn State Medical College, actually out of Hershey, Pennsylvania, on a project called I Lookout. And I Lookout is um, focused on helping child care workers identify and report child abuse. And we've piloted the process in Maine using some gamification techniques and have been actually very successful in helping them to recognize and get some of the noise out of the system, the false positives and the not reporting. So there, there's definitely there definitely should be collaboration among people that kind of know the medical side of it and know the game side of it and, and bring it together. I worked with the University of South Carolina, actually, where my son graduated from, and they have a program down there for uh, sonographs and worked with them to try to figure out how can we gamify the recognition of some of those images because it's not always easy to recognize what you're seeing on an image. And again, a type of flashcard game that we designed allows you to very quickly recognize what you should be seeing on sonograph. So there's lots of applications and cross-pollinization that can occur. I'd like to see something like that for other radiology modalities, but also maybe pathology, seeing things under the slide. It can mm. look very confusing to the untrained eye or even to the trained eye frequently <laughs> when you have all of these different colors and these microscopic differences between cells. And it sounds like a very interesting way to learn something that might otherwise be somewhat tedious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you think about a lot of at least basic education, it's, it's identification. What is this? 
What's the name for this? How does this relate to something else? And if you think about games like matching games, alignment games, concept categorization games, all those are great mechanics and dynamics for creating educational settings. And adding the game just makes it a little bit more fun, a little bit more interesting. It also makes it a little bit more memorable because you've got kind of an emotion attached to it. So that helps trigger recall. So there's lots of advantages of of creating games along those lines. Are you aware of any resources that students might be able to use today? Like maybe some sort of, I know some flashcard companies now have gamified their flashcard decks. So assuming that a student wanted to use that particular company, they could potentially add a little gamification to their studying. Flashcards are obviously very important in medicine uh, and medical education anyway. It's a very potent modality for learning when done properly anyway. And I'm just wondering if there are any other resources that students might be able to use now to really benefit their own education. Yeah, so so one of the most powerful things I think is to create your own game. So there's a there's Quizlet, uh, which is kind of a flashcard kind of thing that allows you to do that. And there's several sites that you can make your own a board game or even card games. So we I've used a company called Print and Play, which very inexpensively lets you make your own card game. So all you need to do is upload some images, upload some text, and boom, you've got it. There's another site called The Game Crafter. And The Game Crafter allows you to do the same thing. And the, I like The Game Crafter a lot because it's, it's, it's a little bit simpler than print and play to upload your images. I don't think the cards are as high of quality, so it depends on what you're looking for. But that's really kind of a, a neat way to think about it. There's other tools like there's something called Game Structor, which allows you to kind of create your own board games. So if you wanted to create an online board game for your fellow medical students or for your students, you could do that as well. If you wanted to get a little bit more sophisticated, there's a tool called Construct3, which is starting to get into development and some tools there. There's a company called The Game Agency that creates a number of different kind of multiple choice type of games that you can do. And then there's also a, working with a company called Enspire, E-N-S-P-I-R-E. And they're creating, they're taking that physical card game that I talked about and making it digital so you can play it like on Zoom, for example. And so then you could have a large group play that game and all benefit from the discussion and the interaction. Wow. I, I was not aware of any of those. So <laughs> I love getting the, the different advice from people in many different fields, all involving gamification, but just in different areas, different audiences too, because you always learn something new. And if I had known about any of these in med school, I probably would have done much worse because I would have been too busy playing or <laughs> <laughs> creating games. And But that's that's a great way for maybe students right now, if they want to get into tutoring or something like that, but the normal sitting up there and lecturing is kind of boring. They can mm-hmm. create a game and then use that to tutor the masses or just to for instructors to use in class to make it a little more enjoyable. I can definitely see a lot of potential to use these types of easy gamification designs and really get some new creative ideas out there. Yeah, and the one thing about it is, is think of the mental processing to create a game. 
You've got to think of the content, how the content relates to each other, what's the score, what's the value of the content. So just the art of creating a game itself is going to help you learn the content a little bit better. And one of the things that we always talk about is start with paper. Start creating your paper-based game before you ever kind of go online. And if it works on paper, it will work online. If it doesn't work on paper, it won't work online. doesn't matter what you do. So make sure you prototype it first in kind of a paper environment and then go ahead and decide to add it to those platforms that I talked about. And it can be a self-assessment form too, because just as we kind of say, uh, use more active learning styles, teach other people. If you can't teach someone else, you haven't learned the material well enough yourself. Well, this is putting it to the test. Can you teach not just one person, potentially multiple people? Can you define it in a way that is going to make sense to them? And if not, then you have to go back and study that material anyway. So right. <laughs> exactly. I think that is a great place to start. We'll definitely add all of those resources into the show notes for the audience in case they want to check any of them out and, and maybe investigate this. And I would definitely be interested in working with anyone out there interested in creating games for medical education. So uh, whether listening to this podcast or send it out to someone else that might be interested that you're aware of, please feel free to share it. Other than that, where can the audience kind of find more about you if they have any direct questions? So if, the, so if they want to know more about kind of gamification and interactive learning, and if they have access to uh, LinkedIn Learning or lynda.com, I have a number of courses on there about gamification. And most colleges have free access. So you can view those courses for free. Follow me on Twitter, at KKAPP. I'm probably most active on Twitter, although I also have a LinkedIn profile. So uh, people can follow me on LinkedIn as well as a good place to get there. There's a little game chat that, that I have on there as well. So those are probably the two places. I have a website, carlcop.com. I've got some information. I've moved most of my blogging over to LinkedIn. So that's probably the best place to, to see. I did a really kind of interesting article the other day about the pandemic and games and how games have really bubbled up in terms of what's happening in the pandemic. So if anybody's interested in that, that would be a place to check out. That sounds great. And that's COP, K-A-P-P for anyone searching uh, (laughs) on LinkedIn or Twitter or any of those. And we'll definitely add those to the show notes too. And Carl, I just want to thank you so much. This has been a very valuable and interesting conversation. And hopefully we can uh, encourage others to make some changes in the future of medical education. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For links to connect to us, email us, or for previous episodes, please see the show notes. We'd also love to hear from you. So please send an email or join us on the Medical Anemonist Mastermind Facebook group. Any ideas, tips, tricks, people that you'd like to hear interviewed, we'd love to hear it. Any advice to make the show better and more enjoyable would be greatly appreciated.